I'm John Carter in Moscow, in Havana, Cuba. Now in Kiev, the capital of Ukraine. I'm John Carter in Petra, right here in communist China, reporting from India. Hi, I'm John Carter in the Solomon Islands. I'm John Carter in Soweto, from El Salvador. I'm John Carter in Sydney, Australia. Join us with questions and answers with Pastor John Carter. Hi, friend. I'm John Carter. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Today is my birthday. <laughs> it's my birthday. I don't know if I should tell you how old I am, but I'm, I'm, I'm getting up there. Let me give you just a little clue. We've been in this work now, Beverly and me, for 59 years. And I didn't start when I was two years old. And so, you know, I'm certainly getting up there. But today is a great day. I've been tremendously blessed. I feel, I feel terrific. I know this is COVID time, and our hearts go out to all those people who are suffering with COVID and as the results of COVID. But in spite of it all, even though we can't be in our television studio, we're right here today and we have a message. We're talking about plain truth, honest answers. That's what people are, are wanting today. There's so much confusion out there. People just don't know what to think. They don't know what to believe. But by the grace of God today, we're going to talk about present truth, truth that is relevant to you and to me. And by the grace of God, we're going to be talking about honest answers. So we've got lots and lots of questions that come in from our marvelous friends, our viewers on television, on 3ABN and on the other networks. And so here is the first question, by the grace of God, I'm going to be giving you today honest answers. Here's Wayne. Rosemary from Topeka, Kansas wrote, I'm an 86-year-old woman. I think I've committed the unpardonable sin. Some years ago, I drove my family away. I told them to stay away. We are now talking again, but I feel that I have sinned against the Holy Spirit. Is there hope for this foolish old woman? Oh, you're not, you're not a foolish old woman. I think you're probably, well, I shouldn't say probably, I'm sure you're a very beautiful lady, 86 years of age. Hey, that's, that's even older than me. <laughs> so I've got empathy for you, my dear. You're 86, but I'm coming up the road behind you. I hope you're feeling as good as I'm feeling here today. Have you committed the unpardonable sin? No, you haven't. This is the honest truth. You haven't committed the unpardonable sin. And I can prove it to you out of the Holy Bible. Can I read you a text? And I, I want to say to Wayne, thank you, Wayne, Wayne Hackett, for being with us today, even though you're not here in the studio. Uh, you've got all these questions and you're reading these questions that have come in from our beautiful viewers. Now, I want to tell this beautiful 86-year-old lady why she has not committed the unpardonable sin. Jesus said this, and so I tell you, this is, let me see, Matthew chapter 12, 
31 and 32. I'm going to read it to you out of the Bible. And so I tell you, this is Jesus talking. You can believe what Jesus says. So I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men. Hey, that's great news. God will forgive the sin of adultery, fornication, even murder. Hey, David committed just about all of those sins. Every sin will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven. That's the unpardonable sin. When you sin against the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Now Jesus said, I want you to hear this, 86-year-old beautiful lady, I want you to hear this, Jesus said, every sin will be forgiven if we confess that sin to God and if we repent of that sin. Will God forgive fornication? Yes, he will. Will he forgive murder? Yes, he will. Will he forgive adultery? Yes, he will. Will he forgive lying? Yes, he will. But there's a condition. We've got to repent of our sins. We've got to come to Christ. We've got to come to God and we've got to repent of our sins. Now this is where the Holy Spirit comes in. Jesus says, if you sin against the Holy Spirit, you'll never be forgiven. I'm going to tell you a story that goes back many, many years. Beverly and I had just been married for a little while. We were staying in a town in Australia, wait for it, the name of the town was Wagga Wagga. And we were staying right next to a train track. The southern aurora used to go past at midnight. We'd be sleeping peacefully like babies. And then at 12 o'clock we would be shaken out of our sleep, almost scared out of our skins by the roar of the southern aurora. This train woke us up. Woke us up the second night and the third night. The fourth night, oh, well, heard it, but no. Just went back to say the fifth night, oh, yeah, a bit of a, the sixth night, the seventh night, we slept through it. You see, we can become sensitized. You get this? We can become sensitized. We can build calluses not only on our hands, but on our hearts. When the Holy Spirit comes and talks to us, we should say, Yes, I'm going to repent of this sin and I'm going to do it now. But if you keep saying no to the Holy Spirit, you will get calluses on your soul, your ears will become hardened and you won't hear the voice of the Spirit of God. Therefore, you will not repent of your sins. And when you do not repent of your sins, this leads to the state that is called in the Bible the unpardonable sin. Now this 86-year-old lady who wrote this question hasn't committed the unpardonable sin because she's got a guilty conscience, which is the evidence that the Holy Spirit is talking to her soul. So my 86-year-old dear, just realize this, God loves you. Jesus died for you, and the Holy Spirit is talking to you. Now I'm going to come over here a bit further. If you folks would be patient with me, 
Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 18 and 19, we're talking here today the honest truth. It says, they're darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Oh, wow. Then it says, having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. It says, they've lost all sensitivity. Their hearts have become hard. The southern aurora is roaring down the track. They can't hear it anymore. They've heard it so often. They've said no, no, no. And every time a person says no to God, it's easier to say no the next time. And if a person keeps saying no, 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 he will build calluses on his soul. His spiritual ears will become deaf. That's the most dangerous condition a person can get into when he loses all sensitivity. But 86-year-old lady, what should you do? Repent of your sin. Tell God you're sorry and realize that Jesus died for you and that God loves you and accept this free salvation and be saved in the kingdom. Great question. Now, here's another great question from Wayne Hackett. Bob from Flint, Michigan wants to know, should Christians be involved in politics? My pastor openly supports the Republican Party from the pulpit. Where do you stand? I was sort of afraid somebody was going to ask that awkward, uh, embarrassing question that I didn't want to talk about. <laughs> Should a Christian be involved in politics? Why not? A Christian can be involved in any legitimate Activity, any lawful activity. You've heard of Will, uh, William Wilberforce, the great British reformer who led to the emancipation of, of so many slaves who stopped the slave trade in the British Empire. Well, he was a member of parliament. We need good people in parliament and in the Senate and in the Congress, people who fear God, trust in God, and who have a sense of right and wrong. So a Christian can be involved in politics, absolutely. Now, um, the person has had the impertinence <laughs> to ask me, do I belong to a political party? And I'm going to confess in public, yes, I belong to a party. I belong to a party. I belong to Christ's party not a political party. I don't care what party you belong to, but this is my choice. I don't belong to any political party. I am fiercely an independent. I love people who are Republicans. I love people who are Democrats. I love people who, well, don't belong to anything. 
God loves people. I want you to know this. God loves you. And so do I. Hear this? God loves you. There are good people wherever you go. And there are bad people wherever you go. We ought to judge people on who they are and what they are. You know why people originally came to America? They came to get away from that church-state system that had been such a curse in Europe for hundreds and hundreds of years. When the church got involved in politics in the Dark Ages, when the church joined to the state, that became the very essence and the very heart of Antichrist. I'm going to read you a text here out of the Apocalypse. It's Revelation 17. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits on many waters. In the Bible, in the prophecies, you've got two women. A good woman represents the good church. A bad woman represents the bad church. And the bad church is the Antichrist. Do you want to know what the essence and the heart and the soul of Antichrist is, well, hang in there. It says, the great prostitute who sits on many waters, with her the kings of the earth committed adultery, not literally, but an unholy alliance, and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. They got so mixed up did this church so mixed up in political power that they became so crazy that they were drunk. They couldn't think straight. Have you met people like this? They can't think straight. Uh, verse 3 of Revelation 17 says, Then the angel carried me away in the spirit into a desert. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast. The beast is the state. The beast was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. This is the great Roman beast. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet, was glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. She got lots of money. She held a golden cup in her hand filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. Wow. This title was written on a forehead, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and the abominations of the earth. I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. When I saw her, it says, he wondered with great amazement. The beast is the state. The woman, this prostitute here, is the apostate church. And here you've got a system of church and state and they join together to persecute people and to enforce religious laws. That is the heart and the soul of Antichrist. The great pioneers who established the United States of America believed in what I'm talking about today. This is the honest truth. Now, you're giving, you're giving me honest questions. I'm trying to give you honest answers, so help me God. That, my friend, I believe, is the honest truth. Now, here's my buddy Wayne Hackett. 
Another question. Cheryl from Denver, Colorado is concerned that COVID-19 has become politicized. Do you think it's a hoax? What is your attitude to science? What political party do you belong to? Oh, goodness me, I wish you folks would ask me easy questions on my birthday. I think you owe it to me. I've been doing this work. Beverly and I have been in this work of evangelism and teaching the truth and trying to win souls to Christ. We've been doing this for 59 years. So at least on my birthday, you should be asking me some very easy, easy questions. But actually, you are. This, this, this is a great question that Wayne has brought from one of our friends. Um, what, what do I know about COVID-19? Well, I'm not, a, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. But I do know that in the United States of America, where I've lived for 35 years, uh, more than half a million precious American friends have died. I have a dear friend who died of COVID just a week or two ago. A dear friend who died of COVID. I've got a daughter who is an intensive care nurse who's working in San Francisco trying to save people who are dying of, of COVID-19. Don't tell me it's a hoax. It's not a hoax. Uh, she's married to a man who's an anesthesiologist. His job is to put this breathing apparatus down the throat into the lungs. Of course, there's tremendous tension, working terribly hard, long hours, and seeing people die. As I said just, just a few days ago, a dear friend of mine died of COVID-19. It was not a hoax. I've had other friends, one of the elders of my church. Uh, he was retired and moved up north. You wouldn't, wouldn't meet a, a better man. He's just a, a great man. His name was Fernando. Fernando. He died of COVID-19. It's not, not, a, not a hoax. Do I believe in science? I believe in genuine science. Now, of course, there's some bogus science. Um, I don't believe in the theory of evolution that we've all come from a primordial swamp and we all came from a single amoeba, some cell or something like this, billions of years. I don't believe this. I believe in truth. I believe in true science. I believe in going where the evidence goes. Now, Jesus said this. Now, listen carefully. Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. It is a tragedy that politics gets in the way of truth, and COVID-19 has become politicized. That's, that's a tragedy. Because the most important thing we can do is to try to save souls and to try to save, save lives. And I want you to know, um, if you've got COVID or if you've got a loved one who's got COVID or if you've got a loved one who has died from COVID, I want you to know that we have a loving heavenly father who gave his son Jesus to die for us I want you to know this, it's going to be better one day. We're going to beat this thing. And one day, my friend, one day, there's going to be a new world. No sickness, no sorrow, no death or, or any of those things. 
The great news of the Bible is this, Jesus is coming. David belongs to a church in Sydney that once had more than 1,000 members, but now is down to 150. He wants to know what is happening to the church in today's secular society. Well, <laughs> I love Sydney, uh, one of my favorite cities in the world. Let me tell you something. One of the biggest churches in the world is in secular Sydney, where tens of thousands of people come together every weekend to worship God because they, they're just full of, of, of love for God. And this is in secular Sydney. Never, never, never count the church out. Because if you belong to the true church of the living God that worships Jesus and follows the Bible, your church is never, never going to die. But if I belong to a church that used to have a thousand members or more and I'm down to 150, I would start to think maybe there's something wrong with what's going on inside that church because the Bible talks about evangelism. Some people say we hate the very word evangelism. Well, that's the reason why your church is dying, my friend, because you hate evangelism. You know what evangelism means? Evangelism means, now wait for this, evangelism means the preaching of the gospel of Christ. How can you hate that? And the most successful churches in the world today believe in evangelism. They go out and they preach the gospel. They're preaching it on television. They're preaching it in halls. They're preaching it everywhere. They're having small groups, but they have a, a passion in their souls. They've got, they've got a, a fire in their bellies, and those churches are growing. Jesus said this. I'm going to see if I can find this text. Matthew 16, verse 18. Are you ready for this? Here it comes. All right, verse 18, Jesus said, but I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. The gates of hell, the legions of evil angels, dictators, wicked politicians, Hitlers, I don't care. They will never, never, never defeat the church of God because the true church of God is built upon the rock and the rock is Jesus Christ himself. And the true church at last will triumph and God's people will go home to glory. That's the honest truth. Mary from New Zealand has a few questions. What do you think of Pope Francis? What do you think about the Australian cardinal who was found guilty of pedophilia and locked up in Victoria? What do you think of the Pope's recent pronouncement on homosexual unions? Well, now, that's a big question. I just hope I can remember it all. It's a series of questions. What do I think of Pope Francis? Well, I don't know Pope Francis. I can tell you a few things about Pope Francis, but I don't want to be judgmental. Many of my friends think he's just the nicest sort of guy. Uh, he's great at, you know, shaking hands and kissing babies, and they say he's, he's a very nice person. The Pope is a Jesuit, of course. The Jesuits are just great intellectuals with a tremendous mission. 
And this is a pope with a mission. Some would say, with some legitimacy, I think, that Pope Francis is pushing a bandwagon that is called liberalism. Others would say he's just trying to make things more accessible to people to come into the church. Now, of course, for more than a thousand years, the Catholic Church has been a very conservative and a rather cold state organization, very exclusive. If you weren't a Roman Catholic, you're going to go to hell. Then came along good Pope John, and he started to call us Protestants separated brethren. Well, that was nice. But Pope Francis has come a little bit further. And Pope Francis now is reaching out and he's making tremendous stirs. The conservatives in his own church are fighting him fiercely. He seems to be making rather liberal statements about gay marriage and other things like this, though his own church is totally opposed, of course, to gay marriage. Even though the Roman Catholic Church has had lots and lots and lots of problems with with priests who have been pedophiles and all other types of sexual deviance. But this is a Pope who's trying to show that the Roman Catholic Church has got a smiling face. And therefore he is teaching some ideas that I think are not taught in the Bible. I believe that Pope Francis, even though he is a, seems to be a very nice man, would do better if he were to preach from the Bible and to show us exactly what the commandments of God require and if he were to preach the gospel of Christ. But I don't want to be critical of Pope Francis. I think we've all, we've all got enough mistakes in our own lives and enough of our own private sins. But I believe that what is needed today The biggest need today in the Christian church is for people to teach the honest truth. Jesus said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. John Carter reports, We have seen God's power as the gospel of Christ has been proclaimed in Africa, India, Russia, Ukraine, Cuba, El Salvador, and many other places. We invite you to partner with us in proclaiming Jesus Christ. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. Write today to The Carter Report, P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. That's The Carter Report, P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. In Australia, write to The Carter Report, P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 
2260. That's The Carter Report, P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. Thank you for your generous support. We look forward to hearing from you soon. May God richly bless you. For a copy of today's program, please contact us at P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Or in Australia, contact us at P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. This program is made possible through the generous support of viewers like you. We thank you for your continued support. May God richly bless you.